bringing relevant and engaging insights to human resource and talent development professionals. This is Talent Champions with Diana Thomas, sponsored by Franklin Covey. Here is your host, Diana Thomas. Welcome to this edition of the Talent Champions podcast. My name is Diana Thomas, and I'm honored to serve as your host. I'm excited today to have Sarah Kimmel. She is the Vice President of Research for Human Capital Media, which is a division of Media Tech Publishing. They publish the Chief Learning Officer, Talent Economy, and Workforce Magazine, so perfect fit for all of the people listeners and people leaders that we have on the phone today. I think we first met probably five years ago when she joined CLO, and I was the Vice President of Learning and Development for McDonald's Corporation USA. And I have been associated with CLO Magazine, being part of their editorial review board, and helping to teach up-and-coming learning leaders, as well as a contributor to their uh, magazines and podcasts and webinars, probably for the last 10 years. So welcome, Sarah. I'm so thrilled to have you with me today. Thanks, Diana. I'm glad to be here. And I think we did meet about six years ago, um, I, because that's about how long I've been in my current role. And we met um, uh, five weeks into my into my tenure here. Uh, I was voluntold uh, that I would be moderating a panel at Symposium, uh, and you were on it as part of the Learning Elite Award. Today, we're going to really be thinking about the role of the learning leader, and that's why I'm so excited that you're going to be with us, because you just finished a very important piece of work, a comprehensive research study on the role of the chief learning officer and what's next. So I wanted to kind of note, though, even though it's um, geared towards learning leaders, based on what we've been seeing in the industry, and I think it actually came up on the report, the lines seem to be blurring between HR and training, learning development, talent. So even though you're going to be talking about this segment, I do think there are pieces that are going to be applicable for an even broader audience. Would you agree? I would agree, you know, and one of the things that we're seeing that we did find in the CLO role uh, is that there's a lot of cross-functional responsibility going on out there. You know, it's it's not the case that learning leaders uh, are only responsible for learning and development in their organization. Uh, more than half of them are actually responsible for something in addition to learning and development, and that's frequently performance management or talent management, sometimes diversity and inclusion. There doesn't seem to be one way uh, that the that the role is organized out there, uh, and and it does seem to be the case that everything uh, in the people space inside of organizations is getting more and more integrated um, as time goes by. Yeah, that's what I I personally have seen, and as I'm coaching different learning leaders, I see that they're experiencing that same thing. And did I hear correctly that you might be looking at doing a similar report with the um, CHROs next year? We are. Um, it's something that we're that is definitely on the table for the next year. We have another brand, uh, Workforce, as you mentioned, that's uh, really aligned more to the HR leader. Uh, and we've been thinking, you know, we found this experience so valuable to understand the, the role of the CLO in so much more depth that we've been thinking we should really do exactly the same thing for the CHRO. 
So we've thought um, this is something we should definitely do is to take a closer look uh, at the at the um, HR space and the HR leader. And that's we'll be doing that next year. Great. Well, we'll definitely have to bring you back when that comes in and, and find out a little bit more and go deeper with that audience as well, specific audience. But before we get into the details of the report and what you found and, and discussing that, Let's talk a little bit about you. Why don't you give us a little bit of a backstory on you? Absolutely. So previous to this role, I worked on Accenture's global learning strategy team as a research specialist. It was kind of a new role uh, when I was there. And basically, it consisted of, um, of digging around uh, in the considerable amount of data that uh, Accenture had on its learners, uh, its programs, and uh, trends inside the organization, like promotions and longevity, how long people stayed with the firm, and, uh, and so on, to look for uh, insights uh, on how people learned and, and how uh, they improved uh, their performance on the job. Uh, and, and that was an extremely valuable experience. And I, I went from there about six years ago, uh, I had a friend call me up and um, uh, asked me to come interview for, for the role I'm in now, uh, which is, you know, as you said, a, a, a very broad role of doing original research across uh, learning, talent management, uh, diversity, and HR. And it, it really offered me uh, a chance to broaden my scope, going from looking at how things work in one organization to how things are working across the entire industry. So let's turn to the report. Can you tell us a little bit about the history and how it came to be? Absolutely. So since I started here, there were questions that we got every single year that I was asked without fail. I would get random emails from people who thought, if anyone should know uh, uh, this this particular thing about the CLO, um, it, it ought to be us. And last May, um, the management team at CLO, we were discussing all of this. Um, and we, we kind of came to this realization uh, that there wasn't another organization as well positioned as we were to gather this data. So we created a survey about how the role of the CLO is changing uh, that would take a look at the background of CLOs, their efforts to develop themselves, their career aspirations. And we also wanted to get some information on those who were aspiring uh, to the role of the CLO. So we cast a really wide net uh, since it was our first year gathering data. We had about 700 respondents, uh, about 428 of them uh, currently manage the learning function at their organization, and about 250 who are aspiring to the role of the CLO. And we even had a third group uh, of about 95 uh, learning professionals who do not aspire to the role of the CLO, and we wanted to know why. Wow. Great broad group as well. And I know talking to you, you thought those numbers were pretty impressive based on I just other surveys and research that you've done. So exciting. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into some of the meat. So tell us, you know, how are executives in the learning function differed from other executives in functions throughout the organization? Right. So the first major difference that came out uh, during the analysis was that CLOs, they're not just well-educated, they're kind of extraordinarily well-educated as a group. Um, so about 93% of them have a bachelor's degree. Okay, that's no, no that's not very surprising, but 69.5% uh, of them have a master's degree. It's nearly 70%. 
and nearly 17% have a doctoral degree. And that's, you know, if you can think of another executive role in which 17% of people have a doctoral degree, I, I couldn't, you know, the, there's really uh, no other corollary to it. You know, and the next thing that we noticed about them was that they seem to come from extremely diverse educational backgrounds, um, and they use their advanced degrees to kind of specialize in either business or organizational learning. So they come from these extremely diverse backgrounds. Uh, they could really come from anywhere, uh, but it was almost like at some point they had caught a bug. Um, and it turned them into people who were obsessed with learning um, at both the individual and the organizational level. So they're kind of Renaissance people, but they're also scholars of organizational learning, you know, with business degrees. Yeah. Learning junkies. I can relate to that with somebody yes. with four degrees. And it's not that I needed them for my roles, but I just love learning. And you you can find out new things and you can see ways that you can add uh, value to your company by learning or specializing and getting some additional information. So that's pretty typical of what I've been seeing with my peers and colleagues. I think I was one of the few that, you know, just came up through, you know, one organization. And even though I was in operations and then HR, I loved training once I got into training and learning and development and, and just really wanted to stay and, and make an impact there. So um, very interesting, you know, so we're, yeah, it's we're, just, it's we're really story. educated and, and we love to learn, right? Right. And it's a story that we hear a lot, actually. You know, I, I've talked to a, a lot of CLOs who say, oh, you know, I I was on a, um, a management track where I was being moved around to a lot of different departments and then I hit learning, you know, and, and it was like the light went off, you know, it was like this, this was it. Uh, and they and there's definitely a passion there uh, for the role uh, of learning in the organization among CLOs. Yeah, I definitely have seen it and felt it and had it. So one of the things that I've seen and some of your research started to bring out for me was the need for these learning leaders of today's successful organizations, especially those that are showing up as one of your elite learning organizations, these leaders have more of an impact across the organization. So I, I saw 10, 15 years ago, they might have been a little more siloed in their function, but now the learning leaders do have more on their plate as we started this uh, called you know, a little bit, you know, expanding on how their role is expanding. But with that, what have you seen in regards to the evolution of the learning leaders uh, maybe their leadership style. What's changing and evolving with the leadership style based on what you're seeing and the research is showing? So there's been a realignment to be more of a, um, you know, a business uh, player, a business uh, teammate um, uh, to come to the table to be consultative um, with the rest of the executive team uh, and to find ways to bring more value to the business uh, and to do it efficiently and effectively. So that's definitely something that I've seen. And what you see in the competencies uh, for learning leaders, we asked them uh, you know, what the most essential competencies were for their role. And the number one answer far and away was influencing and partnering you would think like, oh, well, it has to do with learning, <laughs> but it, it doesn't. Like the learning competencies were number three on the list. Uh, the, the single most important uh, thing that they identified uh, um, as an essential skill was influencing and partnering. And not only that, we had asked them, you know, later on in the survey, we asked them uh, what really surprised them 
uh, when they first got into the role. And one of the big answers to that question was that they couldn't believe how much they had to convince people that learning uh, was valuable for the organization, that it was going to bring um, a lot of return on the investment. So I think that the position that learning leaders find them in is that they, they have to be advocates for learning. And they have to find partners uh, and champions across the organization who can help them to, to be a more effective advocate for, the, for learning uh, for, the, for the employees. Yeah, definitely need to be more strategic, more holistically looking at the, the organization and being able to influence. That's definitely a huge trend that I see that's been going on and it's going to continue to go on, especially as resources get a little bit tighter in organizations. You know, you really have to be able to show how you're impacting the business and making those connections and what you're doing and how your, your department's adding value and getting stakeholders outside of your department to talk about and sell what you're doing. So great. So based on that change and evolution, what are some of the top skills that learning leaders and by extension, our talent champion audience, you know, are going to need today as well as in the future? Right. So I I just told you about the um, about influencing, right? So influencing is also the skill that they say that they need most in the future. And for that, if you look at like uh, uh, increasing your skill in in influencing, you know, you're going to need you know mentors, uh, people who can uh, help you to do that. And also, I, I think um, you know I, I ended up talking to a lot of CLOs at at symposium after I, I gave the, the keynote on this research, um, and some of them were surprised. They're like, "But of course, you have to get out there. You have to talk to everyone. You know, you have to." Um, uh, you know, kind of throw yourself into the business cross-functionally uh, and, and sort of talk to everyone about what they need and make those partnerships that you need in order to, to get things done uh, across the organization. So like that's, you know, that, that would be the, the first uh, thing to think about with influencing. But the other um, really big skills gap that we found in the research was about technology. You know, this is where we, we kind of got the shock. Technology competencies are the biggest skills gap for CLOs right now. So three and four CLOs say that the increased use of technology is the biggest way that the role is changing. Uh, it's the number one answer for how they say the role is changing. And 91% of them say that their role as, uh, as CLO will require them to increase their technical competencies in the future, um, which is just huge. You, you know, almost never get 91% of anybody to agree on something. Um, yeah. I, I tell you, you know, just when I was leading learning, I could not have been successful without my IT partner. And I tell you, I was so blessed to work with some phenomenal IT business partners who really helped me think things through. And we talk about what are the business problems and they had that technology information. So for me, you know, I didn't grow up knowing all of this technology, but boy, did I have to learn it. And if you can get yourself be, you know, be surrounded with some great technology people, uh, that can help you so much. So definitely technology, and especially as fast as we're seeing it changing. And I don't think it's stopping anytime soon. So influence and technology are definitely two things and being more strategic that our learning leaders are focused on now and in the future. And you mentioned mentoring. Let's talk about that a little bit because I know it's challenging as I have networked with different learning leaders who have been great mentors to me. And now as an executive coach and coaching some learning leaders, that seems to be um, 
mentoring seems to be a great way for learning leaders to continue to grow, but they're challenged sometimes to find the right person to mentor or to coach them. Is that what you're seeing or is that what the research showed? That is what the research shows. So our research found that 40% of CLOs currently say that they have a mentor um, and 45% of the aspiring CLOs uh, say that they have mentors. However, uh, 73% of them say that their mentors are outside of their current organization. This got us to thinking about um, the position that uh, someone who's a learning leader might find themselves in uh, inside of an organization. And where do you find a mentor to help you learn how to manage the learning function? Uh, and if you if you think about that, you know, is there anyone inside of your organization that could help you roll out a global deployment of a um, you know a learning technology? Who else has done it? No one. Um, you know, so where do you really get the, the help that you might need to, to do things that no one else in your organization has ever, you know, done before, uh, where you might be the only one? And uh, it's pretty clear that you're going to have to look outside uh, of your organization to do that. One of the things that we found is that networking with peers is pretty much the, the number one way that um, that CLOs say that they develop themselves. Networking with peers, it's, it's, in, a, it's in a tie with webinars. I think um, webinars are the low-hanging fruit. People go to webinars because it's easy, um, because they have the time to do it. But the networking with peers is really critical for CLOs um, who otherwise would not have that kind of support that they need uh, to, to do things that, um, that no one else in their organization has done before. Yeah, definitely networking. I, I, when I coach people and I share my story, I say the more that you can network and create a stronger um, group of people that you can ask questions about, you can learn best practices from them. And I found learning leaders are so willing to share. They love to learn from you, but they also want to share what they're doing too. So networking, a huge thing. And you meant you mentioned webinars. And I know when we talked, you were a little surprised it was rated as high as it was as far as it's one of the number one ways that learning leaders want to learn and are learning. And I'd put podcast in there as well. I know we didn't break it out, but I think those two kind of go um, hand in hand. Where do you see chief learning officers spending their time based on the report and, and research? Well, this is really interesting because we're seeing a big shift here. One of the things that we we found in the survey is um, there's a shift happening towards content curation rather than content creation. So right now, um, 53% of CLOs say that a move towards curation, it's a, it's a major, major change to the role. It's the number two answer for how the role of the CLO is changing. And also, 30% of CLOs say that they spend the majority of their time related to curriculum curating content from outside sources and overseeing the delivery. Um, in addition to that, another 23% say they spend the majority of their time creating on-demand learning avenues for employees. We were just talking about that, which means that only 46% are still managing and delivering the curriculum that, that they create in-house by their own teams. And that's a really big shift um, if you think about 
uh, the role of the CLO. Uh, and there was actually a little bit of unease, you know, in the comments that CLOs had about this shift. You know, if you think about it existentially, you know, if you are not overseeing the creation of learning content, are you are you really a CLO? Is, is it the same role or is it, you know, um, fundamentally changed? Yeah. I can tell you, if I was a chief learning officer today in one organization, I would definitely be looking outside to bring content in because the more that you create, um, it can be cheaper at the beginning to create it, but the care and feeding and maintenance of it, and you know, you don't want it to get outdated. And there is so much great stuff, great resources out there. And some of it's actually for free. If you can get it, why create it and then spend the time and focus on creating the things that others can't replicate, you know, really talking about your company's culture and getting people acclimated to the things that are unique instead of, you know, some of the basic skills that so many people out there are already training and doing. So that has definitely been a major shift that I've seen and I would adopt personally as well. So this whole, um, you know, care and feeding and creating, uh, maybe it isn't the best focus, especially as we're talking about the need to be more strategic and influence the whole organization. If you're so focused on creating, it's hard to get your head up above the, the trees and, and see where your organization is going and where your team needs to be uh, supporting or leading. So that's a great point in regards to where they're spending their time, especially, as we said, impact. Well, let's talk a little bit about how learning leaders are being held accountable. And there is a lot of pressure to perform. Uh, so what metrics are you seeing that are being used to evaluate the, the learning function? Right. So we wanted to know uh, what metrics CLOs themselves are being judged by. So if they were having a performance review, um, you know, what, what were the metrics that would be included um, in that review? And what we found was that many of the top performance metrics for CLOs are things where the outcomes are not entirely within, con in the, within the control of the learning function. The big ones were employee engagement, business impact, and retention, employee retention. So there are also metrics that are, you know, more in the control of L&D, like learning goals that are aligned with the business goals and knowledge transfer from learning uh, and employee efficiency. Those are things that are more uh, traditionally, you know, um, uh, within the purview of the learning team. But we, we thought it was um, very curious that there were um, uh, so many uh, uh, of the metrics that were in common use were things that, you know, I won't say that learning doesn't have an impact on employee engagement. It absolutely does. But as a metric to be responsible for, it's a difficult thing for a learning leader to, um, it's a very challenging metric to be responsible for when you don't have control necessarily over all of the inputs um, that go into something um, like that. Yeah, well, I think it's also supporting the trend of, you know, bigger influence across the organization and the need to partner with different individuals. So talk about, you know, talent champions. And, you know, if you're, if you have the luxury today to have a learning leader and an HR leader, you better be working close together. Because as we've seen, not only in the, the work focus, but also in the measurement, 
is, you know, how can you work together to impact some of these, these important measures? So great. Well, I think, and I think you're completely on the right track there because um, a lot of the, the sort of big challenges that are facing organizations are are not simple things anymore. You know, they're they're, the low hanging fruit has been, um, you know, swept up. Uh, and a lot of the challenges facing organizations now are things where you need a lot of cooperation um, across different functional areas in order to make that impact um, on that um, on the problem. Yeah. Is there anything else you would add in regards to the biggest opportunities for the overall learning function across the organization as we get closer to wrapping up? Right. This was very curious. Um, we, we did ask them what opportunities they saw for the learning function. And the number one opportunity that CLOs see for their learning organizations is being able to use learning to improve their work culture. You know, this is something that we've seen um, in a lot of different surveys recently is the focus on organizational culture and and workplace culture. Um, And, you know, it it was a little bit of a surprise to see it um, pop up in the learning under the purview of the learning leader. Um, But... I think if you if you start thinking about them being responsible for employee engagement, and you think about the how how connected engagement is to uh, work culture and organizational culture, that all starts to make a little bit of sense um, how those things would be connected. Yeah, starting to to have that uh, that bleed over and everybody being held more accountable for the success of the company. And I think that's, you know, a trend that's a great trend and, and something that, you know, everybody needs to be aware of and take accountability for as well. So great. Well, this information has been so helpful uh, to our audience. And it's always great to, you know, hear more of more about the, the study and, and the knowledge that you have just based on everything you get to interact with. So thank you. Thank you so much. One of the things I love to ask my guests is about you personally in regards to your professional life and the leader that you are today is, is when you think about, is there a person, one person that you would say has had the greatest impact on your personal life and that you wouldn't be the person you are today without that person? I'm always curious to know that. Okay. I'm going to kind of buck the trend here. I don't have just one person. So I tend to be a person who um, does, doesn't have a lot of heroes. However, in terms of like where the influence on my professional development has been, I do have a really curious history of working with a lot of people that other people regard as difficult to work with. So um, people who are, for, for lack of a better way to say it, pretty stubborn. And the, and the thing is, I've, I've really admired a lot of these very stubborn people. You know, you might say I even have kind of a soft spot for them. And so what I've noticed is that many of them are difficult to work with because they insist on speaking inconvenient truths or asking inconvenient questions. And so they're, they're the cranky person in the meeting who's telling everyone that they're doing it all wrong or wasting time or that their model is, you know, junk. And if you're a person who works with data like I am, um, this is a situation that that happens to you a lot. You know that people want to interpret uh, data to support, you know, their their priors. Uh, and I think that I'm extremely appreciative to all of these stubborn people that I've worked with throughout my career who provided a really clear example that you can resist give, giving in 
to that pressure um, uh, for whatever you know idea might might have been cooked up in committee. Um, and in my own experience, it, it becomes you know even more important to ask those hard questions and to point out the inconvenient truths um, once you step into an executive role. Hmm. That's definitely a different answer. So being able to influence and being able to say those truths, that's pretty much in line with what we're saying our leaders today need to be able to do. So thanks for sharing that. So so based on your experiences and, and some of the topics that we've talked about, um, let's talk a little bit about what advice that you would have for our talent champions to continue, continue to learn and grow. I'd say uh, get all of the inputs that you possibly can. That's a very data person kind of answer. You know, go looking for uh, the people who are um, out there kind of on the edge, uh, who are trying things that may not work. Uh, it's valuable even to know when something has failed. Uh, but I would say, you know, um, look for organizations like CLO, like Workforce, ASTD, um, find uh, connections with, uh, with peers who are trying things, who are experimenting, um, and uh, 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 get all of the information that you can. Get all the input that you can. Use your resources. I love it. Great, great, great. So as we wrap up, Sarah, if our audience would like to learn more or get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, they can find uh, more about the research that we just discussed on our website uh, for CLO. It's clomedia.com. Under the research tab, you'll find us there. Uh, you can also find me there. Uh, my email is up and I'm also available on LinkedIn. That's great. Well, thank you so much. We'd love to bring you back, especially after you get that CHRO report research completed. And I'm sure we're going to see some similarities, but we'd love to go deeper into that research as well. So thank you so much for being one of our guests. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Diana. And as a heads up, in two weeks, I'll be talking with Casper Morick. He is the head of learning technology with Siemens. So if you've ever felt a little overwhelmed by technology, you don't want to miss Casper. He's incredibly knowledgeable, and he also has the gift of being able to explain technology without it going right over your head. He's going to be sharing exactly what you need to know to stay up to speed on the technology changes that are affecting the talent champions. Thanks again for joining us. We'd also love to hear from you. So please feel free to leave a comment and rate the podcast from wherever you downloaded it. And you can always reach out directly to me at dianathomascoach at gmail.com. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Talent Champions with Diana Thomas. For more information about today's show or to receive more valuable insights, please visit franklincovey.com slash talentchampions. If you've enjoyed this podcast, check out Franklin Covey's other podcasts, Great Life, Great Career with Scott Miller and Franklin Covey on Leadership, available from your favorite podcast provider.